Hey, bro, your keys are in Dr. Pepper. Just letting you know. All right. Nobody wants their keys in Dr. Pepper. Could be worse, though. Could be in, like, Pepsi. That would be terrible. That would be terrible. Nobody likes Pepsi. Oh, Kayla likes Pepsi. That's terrible. All right. I mean, if you like flat Coke, that's cool. All right. That's your thing. All right. Hey, um, glad you're here. Uh, real quickly, uh, anybody seen Captain Marvel yet? You seen the movie, Captain Marvel? Uh, you don't plan on it? Okay. You don't plan on it. Grace won't take you? That's tough when your big sister won't take you places. Maybe you should ask a girl. Maybe ask a girl if she wants to go see Captain Marvel. Is it still in theaters? Okay, well, yeah. Shoot or shoot. You win some, you lose some, man. It's tough. Um, keep shooting. Um, you're in a slump right now. It'll, it'll, it'll work out. Um, so Captain Marvel, uh, I know not many of you have seen it. That's cool. It was all right. I thought it was, I thought it was not a bad movie. Um, I mean, it wasn't the best movie ever, but it was okay. But uh, not to spoil it for any of you that might see it, but uh, part of the plot of the movie is that uh, Captain Marvel, um, okay, Brie Larson's character, um, is kind of interacting on behalf of her planet with some, some people who, uh, without giving too much away, um, some people that she's doing battle with, okay? Uh, they're kind of fighting for uh, planetary uh, dominance um, all around the galaxy, and they're called the Scrolls, okay? They're like skulls except with an R in there, Scrolls, okay? And the cool thing about Scrolls is they are shapeshifters. They can basically turn their, their physical appearance into the physical appearance of anyone or anything, any um, living organism, essentially. Um, and also their voice and stuff changes as well. So it's pretty cool. So uh, they can just turn into, uh, they could like turn into your friend, they could turn into a, I don't know, a cat, or they could turn into all kinds of crazy stuff, okay? And, and convince you um, uh, very well that they are what you are, uh, what they look like, their, what their appearance changes into. And the, the real interesting thing about the scrolls in the movie is you can't tell the difference between a scroll impersonating someone and the real person unless you actually know the real person. It's really the only way to distinguish them. So let's say that, um, that Christian is a scroll and he turns himself into Anthony. And he and Anthony could be sitting right next to each other. They would look identical. They would sound identical. Their mannerisms and everything may be the same. However, the only way that I could really tell the difference is if I knew Anthony very well. And I knew things about Anthony that there was no way that the uh, fake Anthony could possibly know. Does that make sense? So really the... The, the only way to identify a shapeshifter, okay, in this movie um, is to really know the authentic, the real, um, I know I'm wearing the shirt, uh, I didn't think about it until I said it, honestly, uh, to, to know the real Anthony, right, to know the real person, okay, um, it doesn't do you any good to examine the fake person, you have to know the real person. Maybe you've seen pastors use this old illustration about currency, about dollar bills, They'll tell you that the U.S. Department of Treasury, in order to identify counterfeit money, doesn't study counterfeit money, that it actually just studies the actual real money. And they know the real money so well that they can spot a fake or a counterfeit when it happens, which is true and untrue. The U.S. Department of Treasury studies both. Um, and so, uh, but some pastor said it in like 1947, and uh, his notes got passed on, and somebody heard it, and they like it, and it sounds cool. Um, so uh, everybody uses that uh, illustration. It's what happens with us preachers, okay? Um, but... The, the point is that in order to really know something and to know if it's true or if it's not true, we have to study it. We have to understand it. And that's where we find Paul in Acts chapter 17, is he's going to go to this particular group of people called the Bereans, and he's going to 
um, teach them um, and interact with them about Scripture. And he's actually going to commend them for how well they engage Scripture. Tonight's kind of different. You're going to get two mini-sermons in one because this chapter, Acts 17, it really goes in two different directions. Starting in verse 10, it goes two different places. And I want us to see both, but we don't have time in the semester for me to break it into two weeks. And so first, I want us to look at what it looks like to, to properly engage Scripture. What does it look like for us to interact Scripture? How should we interact or engage with God's Word? Uh, what are some helpful tips? And we're going to learn from the Berean church what exactly that should look like. So Acts chapter 17, verse 10 is where we're going to start. And we're going to read 10 through 15 to start. And then we're going to read another section of Scripture um, in just a second. So uh, I don't know if that's going to be up there. Acts 17, chap- uh, chapter 17, verse 10. It says, The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, uh, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted um, Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. I really want us to focus on the first two verses here, the first, or first three, I guess 10 through 12, really. And I want us to look at some, some things we can learn about the Berean church, the people of Berea, and how they interact with Scripture. And so really, five things, five ways, if you're taking notes, five ways you can engage Scripture. I have questions all the time about, um, you know, what, uh, what, cha- uh, what book of the Bible should I start off studying if I'm a new believer? Or um, I get questions like, you know, I'm not really hearing from God right now. What should I be reading? Or uh, I get questions about the authenticity of Scripture or this Scripture contradicts this Scripture. And, and all of it really comes down to uh, how we engage Scripture. You know, what I, you understand what I mean by when I say engage? How we interact with it how we read it, how we pray over it, uh, the way in which we do those things, right? There, there are certain techniques and tips and some consistent things that we can do in order to better understand Scripture, okay? And we're going to talk about those specifically in just a second. The first one, okay, the first one is to study openly, okay? All five of these are going to start with the word study, and then they all have an adverb to go with that. So um, study openly. I, I want us to look at this Greek word right here um, in... Uh, verse 11, it says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. That word noble in the Greek, literally, it translates best into that they had a teachable attitude. That they were teachable. They were open-minded about what Scripture said. Now, open-mindedness sometimes gets kind of a bad rap because we we hear the word open-minded and we think, well, uh, we're just going to believe anything. That's not what Scripture is teaching here about open-mindedness. What it's teaching is that we read Scripture with the, with the belief and with the attitude that Scripture is truth. It is constant. It is eternal. It is absolute. Our opinions are not. Our opinions change based on a number of things. Think about, think about what you think about certain things. Does anybody like a certain food now that you didn't like when you were younger? Right? A lot of us, right? And your parents always say, well, you know, your taste buds change. You got to keep trying. Don't parents always say that. I can find myself saying that already and my kids are still young. 
All right? But our, our taste, our opinions, all these things change. And so what you believe about Scripture when you are seven probably isn't going to look like what you believe about Scripture when you're 27 or 37 or 57 or 67. You know why? Because you're maturing, right? Your, your understanding hopefully matures. Now, it doesn't always go in a positive direction. Sometimes it changes in a negative way. But what, what Paul is saying here about the church at Berea is that they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And by noble, he means that they were receptive. They were open to what Scripture would say to them. If you're, writing, if you're taking notes, write down Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is, is a passage of Scripture where you can go back and read, and it talks about, about how Scripture is meant to transform us. It's meant to shape us. It's meant to change our mind. It's meant to renew our mind and renew our heart. It's supposed to change our attitudes. Scripture should be what guides our opinion on everything else, not the other way around. Far too often, we allow what we believe about everything else to shape how we understand Scripture, which is, which is one of the root problems that, that we face as Christians is that we want our identity um, when it comes to social issues or political issues uh, or our feelings um, or our relationships, we want those things to shape how we read and understand Scripture. When the truth is, we have to let Scripture shape how we understand all of those other things. Does that make sense? It's not a chicken or an egg thing. It's, it's, this, is, this is the very Word of God. In fact, it, it, John 1 describes the Word of God as Jesus himself. In the beginning, what? Was, right, God, right? In the beginning, God was the Word, all right? The Word is God. The Word was with God. The Word was God, right? We have all these things, and then we skip down a few verses, and we see that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word, in fact, is Jesus, and so Jesus, through Scripture, okay, is shaping us, is meant to shape us, to change us, to change how we think. And we can't allow that to happen if we're not open to the fact that maybe we don't understand everything there is to know about Scripture. Does that make sense? And so when you're reading through a difficult passage, there are going to be times where you're confronted with very difficult questions. And you're going to think, man, that third grade Sunday school teacher did not prepare me for this particular passage. Or that youth pastor, man, he, he really dropped the ball on this because it says something that he never, that never said it said. And, and we have to be open to, to the shaping and the changing of our minds. Uh, Luke, who wrote Acts, okay, and Paul, who's engaging with the Berean church, uh, basically what they're telling us is that, that their hearts had not been hardened to the point where they couldn't be changed from Scripture. Their minds were not so closed that they couldn't be changed by Scripture. And so the, the Berean church is, is really an open an open book, an open vessel waiting to be changed by the word, okay? All right, so the first thing is that we study scripture openly. The second is that we study, study it eagerly. We study scripture eagerly. So they receive the word with all eagerness. What does it mean to be eager? What does that mean? Sure, yeah, to, to, be, to be excited about something. Yeah. So, so my is, is, is like yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Excitement is part of, of eagerness for sure. Anybody uh, think of a time where you're really eager about something? You're really eager to do something? Yes, Lance. Okay, you're eager to go to Bush Gardens on choir tour. Yes, Grace. 
What's that? To graduate. Yes. All right. Yeah, we're eager to graduate, right? Yes, Jack. Also eager about your sister graduating. Yes. Okay. All right. That's a little, little dirty. I don't know how you'll get anywhere. Um, so, yes, she literally brings you everywhere you go. Yes. All right. You'll be just sitting at home uh, by yourself with no one to bring you anywhere. All right. We, we've all been eager about something. Now, if you're honest with yourself, okay, if I'm honest with myself, listen to me. How many of us have ever studied Scripture with an eagerness? Right, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty high standard, to study with eagerness. How many of you have ever just woken up in the morning and you're like, dude, I cannot wait to read some Scripture. It's going to be awesome, right? I've been with a lot of you on Centrifuge and Choir Tour, and very seldomly are you like eager, like, oh, time to do my quiet time, right? Time to... Time to, open up Josh's, time, time to open up Josh's devotion that he wrote on the choir tour booklet, right? All right, I just finished those today, by the way, and like 90% of you will not read more than one, okay? It just is what it is, okay? Yeah, whatever, quit playing. All right, you're not, you're not eager to read God's word most of the time. It says that the Berean church, they were eager to read God's word. But you know what? You know what? They had a little bit of an advantage in this way, guys. They hadn't, they hadn't had this laying on their coffee table or on their bookshelf or in their car. They didn't see it projected on screens every Sunday and every Wednesday. They had heard bits and pieces of it, right? They had, they had had the scrolls read to them as Jews in the synagogue. Most of them didn't have copies of them at home, right? This, this what's happening in Acts is about the, just right before Paul writes uh, the letter to the church at Rome. The gospels don't even exist at this point yet. They can't go pick up Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because those guys haven't written those Gospels yet. And so they are eager to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They have an eagerness, a passion. Do you, do you find yourself to have a passion for God's Word? Like, is it one of the things that you like to talk about? Is it one of the things you like to study? Is it one of the things you like to read about? Something you ask questions about? Do you and your friends have conversations about it? Like, hey, I was reading this the other day in, in Acts. Or I was reading this the other day in John. What do, you, what do you think about this? That's what's happening in this Berean church. And part of the reason that they, they come to know so much about Scripture is because they have a passion for it. All right? Think about whatever it is in life that you know the most about. You know a lot about it because you have a passion for it. You have an eagerness to learn about it. Right? And, and so that's where we see the Berean church. So they study openly, but they also study eagerly, but they also study carefully. Okay? They also study carefully. So if you keep reading, it says they, they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures to see if these things were so. They studied it carefully. There was a show that came on when I was younger um, called Reading Rainbow. Everybody familiar with the show, Reading Rainbow? LeVar Burton? All right. And, all right, you've never heard of Reading Rainbow? Okay. All right, that's okay. That's okay. I didn't realize that most of you had heard of it. I assume that, like, two of you may have heard of it. All right, but Reading Rainbow was an incredible show, okay, where they basically, they talked about books, all right? LeVar Burton, who was also in Star Trek The Next Generation, which I didn't really watch. I uh, wasn't a Star Trek guy, but he was, he was on there. Uh, he was the blind guy, uh, Jordy LaForge or something like that. Um, so LeVar Burton, he's talking about books. There's a, c a certain 
portion of Reading Rainbow where he has kids give like quick little book reviews. Like, hey, I read this book, all right, and here's what it's about, here's who wrote it, and blah, blah, blah. And he'd have like five or six of those. And at the end of that little section, he would say the same thing every time. He would say, but don't take our word for it. And basically, he was like, hey, you need to go and read this book for yourself, okay? And so that's essentially what the Berean church does. As silly as that sounds, they're hearing Paul and Silas teach and proclaim the scripture. A lot of them have probably heard Peter at Pentecost proclaim the scripture. But what it says is examining the scripture for themselves, they figured out what scripture said. The same is true for us today in the 21st century as Stuart proclaims the scripture on Sunday morning, as I'm in here on Wednesday night. You can listen to what I say, and, and look, guys, I'm trying my best to get it right each and every week. But you know what? I'm a human being, and sometimes I get it wrong. It's up to you as a believer in Christ to be going back and saying, hey, let me, let me examine what it is that Josh said. And that's part of the reason you take notes. So you can go back and say, all right, what did he, he said? He gave me Psalm 119. That doesn't have anything to do with what he said it did, right? It's because sometimes I make mistakes, right? I'm trying to figure this out too, just like you are. And so examine the scriptures. Look, I, I'm on Facebook because I'm old, um, and that's what we do. That's what us old people do on Facebook. Some of you are on Facebook, but you're not really on Facebook. Like, I'm on Facebook to the point, like, every old lady in the church sends me, uh, like, random messages, um, like, chain mail and stuff, and tags me in the same memes uh, year after year about, hey, play a practical joke on the youth pastor this year in staff meeting, and while you're praying, everybody lay their clothes on the chair and disappear, uh, so he thinks he's been, uh, everybody else has been raptured. Right? Like the same little old ladies every year share the same things. They share uh, memes of the Home Alone bandits, uh, but like in all seriousness, thinking they're running around breaking into people's houses. They think they're real bandits. Um, they share every year. Like people from our church, every year, same post. It's the wet bandits. They're stealing people's stuff. Watch out. And I'm like, don't worry about it. Kevin McAllister already took care of it. We're good. All right? So I'm on Facebook. And part of, being, part of the downside of being on Facebook um, is that people share video clips of, like, their favorite uh, TV pastors, and, like, it's some real garbage. Um, like, there's some really whacked-out theology that gets posted on my Facebook timeline, and, like, I, I can't respond to all of them, so I don't respond to any of them, but, like, there's some stuff on there that's just, like, complete whack jobs out there that have, like, 10,000-member churches and TV channels and podcasts, and they're saying some stuff, and you're like, dude, this is so counter to what Scripture says. How we combat that is we see stuff and we go back and say, is this what Scripture teaches? Because what a pastor in 2019 says can't go against what Scripture says or it's not true. All right, scripture is absolute, it's timeless, eternal, perfect. And, and what we say, no matter how many people uh, we have in our church or our youth group, no matter how much our sneakers cost, if you're following preachers and sneakers on Instagram, which I know y'all are because I've seen some likes pop up. I am too. All right. It doesn't matter how, how famous they get. They're still humans. And so we have to go back and we have to examine. We have to study carefully. Okay? So we study openly, eagerly, carefully, but we also study daily. We also study daily. There has to be a consistency there. It says that they, they uh, receive the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Write down Acts 2, 42 through 47, if you're taking notes. Acts 2, 42 through 47. 
That's what happens right after Pentecost when the church really begins for the very first time. It says they, they never gave up meeting together daily. They were meeting day after day, studying the word, teaching one another. Look, I'm not, I'm not dumb enough to think that all of you are going to wake up in the morning and you're going to have a 15 to 30 minute quiet time every day and, and you're just gonna, that's going to happen tomorrow. It would be great if you did. I would encourage that. But are you consistently in prayer, reading scripture, and seeking to grow in your relationship with Christ? Look, this is a very basic example, but there's literally nothing in life that you really want that you don't actively pursue. If you really want something, you spend time and you make a commitment. You set aside time each and every day to get better at it. If you want to get better at a sport, you spend time each and every day practice. You devote time and practice. In fact, there are a lot of people that aren't here tonight because they've devoted themselves to practice. Okay, and it happens on a Wednesday night. Okay, that's fine. But we do that because we love it. We care about it. Maybe you want the part in a play. You, you spend a lot of time and energy working on it. Or a solo, you spend time practice, practicing it. The, the, the girl or the guy that you fell in love with on Instagram, you spend a lot of time pursuing that relationship, a lot of energy and money, resources, whatever it is. That Snapchat streak, you set aside time each and every day to take a picture of your ceiling fan or whatever dumb thing you take a picture of to send so that you can make it, so you can have 100 with this girl or whatever, all right? In, in, in real life, she has streaks with 74 other dudes that ain't you, but you just don't know it. All right? And so that's, right? It's just, but the things that we want, look at me. Here's the truth. And, and you know it to be true, okay? The things that you want, the things that I want, we set aside time each and every day and devote, it, devote ourselves to it. And that's what the Bereans do with Scripture because they're so passionately in love with God. They've fallen so in love with Jesus that they say, I, we're going to devote ourselves daily to his teachings. And look, you can spend all the time you want getting to be the best athlete, the best student. You can get your ACT score up as high as you want, your GPA up as high as you want. You can get into the best colleges by yourself without your Aunt Becky paying for you to get in there. Whatever, whatever it takes. You can do all of that stuff. And look, guys, it's all great. It's all good. None of that stuff is bad. But you know what it also is? It's, it's temporal. It's going to fade away. Like seriously, there's not going to be a point in eternity where you're, you're handing over your diplomas or, hey, by the way, my ACT scores. After, after you're 18, nobody really cares what your ACT score is anymore ever anyway, okay? Do good at it. Get a really good score so you can help mom and dad out with the scholarships. Great. You know what? But again, it's all going to fade away. By the time you're my age, you're going to embarrass yourself trying to play basketball with dudes half your age. Y'all see it each and every week. Yeah. Bruh, come at me, Jack, on the basketball court. You can talk. You can talk if you want to. I was talking mainly for these guys right here. All right. Okay. All right. Anyway, get Grace to drop you off at the basketball court next time we'll play. All right. All right. All right. We're good. We're moving on. All right. Okay. But are we passionate? Do we actually have a desire each and every day to fall more and more in love with Christ? Now, before we move on to 16, something interesting happens. In verse 12, there's some immediate results. Many of them, therefore, what? Believed. Many of them believed. As a result 
of them pursuing God through his word. As a result of them understanding who Christ is, many people came to know Jesus as a result. You can't really ask for better results than that. It doesn't say they just became smarter. They didn't just learn more about scripture, but many people believed as a result of their faithfulness to God's word. Now, verse 16. I know this is going to be a little bit different, but we've, we've looked at what it looks like to engage scripture. Now I want us to see what it looks like to engage culture. Okay? So we're engaging scripture and we're, we're learning truth. Now we've got to figure out how to get that truth into the, the hearts and the minds of people around us. And so Paul does that in Athens. It says in verse 16, now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, right, he's waiting for Silas and for Timothy to come to him in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Oropagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Oropagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you were very religious. For as I passed along and observed these objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made them from one man, every nation of mankind, to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. And yet, he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. And he continues on to talk more and more about Christ. But I want us to see real quickly four things real fast, because we only have a few minutes, uh, in engaging culture. One, do I have a burden for the world around me? Just Paul's spirit was provoked. Seeing what was around him, in Athens, it says Paul's spirit was provoked. He had a burden for the people around him. He saw that they were worshiping idols at every corner in Athens. And Paul could have just said, well, this is, this is going to be tough here. I mean, these people are just, they're worshiping idols. That's so far removed from what, what God is. He could have pronounced judgment on them, but it says that his spirit provoked him. And he starts, he starts having conversations with people. Do you have a burden for the people around you? A lot of you are about to get on a bus and head to Miami. There's going to be a lot of people that believe a lot of things that, that are hurting in a lot of ways. Do you have a burden for the people that you're going to encounter? Do you have a burden for your family who doesn't know Jesus? Do you have a burden for your friends who don't know Jesus? Do you have a burden for your teachers, your classmates, your coaches, your administrators, your coworkers who don't know Jesus? Because in Daphne, Alabama, in the middle of the Bible Belt, with a church on every corner, there are people who are lost, dying, hurting, and going to spend eternity in hell because they don't know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do we have a burden for them? Paul's spirit is provoked. He has a burden for the people in the world around him. Do we have that same burden? Are we just like just coming in, we're just checking here, we'll get a piece of pizza, we'll, the, the band's good, we'll tolerate the speaker for a little while, and we'll just move on and go about our business. 
Or do we have a burden for people? Secondly, do I have an understanding of the world around me? Do you have a burden for people, and then do you understand people? We've talked about this a lot because this is a lot of what Acts is about. Do we understand who it is that we're trying to engage? Paul stops, and he starts to look around. And you know how we know that he is, is engaging the culture and understanding it? He begins to talk. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Oropagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are religious. He knows this because he's watched, because he's interacted, because he's listened to people. For as I passed along, I observed objects. Paul is observing what's going on around him and learning about the culture. I observed the objects of your worship. I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Later, he quotes their poets and says, for we are indeed his offspring. He, he quotes the poets there in Athens. Paul has a burden for the people around him. He says, how, God, how can I, how can I bring the message of hope of Jesus Christ to these people? He says, maybe if I get to know what they believe, maybe if I have conversations with the Stoic philosophers and the Epicureans, maybe if I have a conversation with these people, I can understand who they are, what they believe, and why they believe it, and now I have the ability to speak the truth to them in a language which they understand. And I'm not just talking about Greek. I'm talking about in words that they understand, in ways that they relate. Some of the people you talk to are going to be more scientific-minded. You're going to have to have scientific conversations. Some are going to be more philosophical. Some people are just hurting and looking for some healing of some sort. Some people have been burned by the church, by people in the church. Some people's home lives have given them no hope. They, they read about a heavenly father, and their, their earthly father has been garbage to them. And they, they can't figure out how in the world I'm supposed to love some father and how this father is going to love me because I've never had that in my life. But you don't know that unless you care enough about people to get to know where they are and who they are. It's the same thing we talked about last week. Paul gets dropped off in Athens. And he's overwhelmed by all of the idol worship, the idolatry, the paganism that's happening around him. And instead of just throwing his hands up or instead of just getting up on a pedestal and just yelling at him about uh, what, what Jesus is and who Jesus is and what he's done, he says, hey, let me, let me first figure out who I'm talking to. Let me, let me figure out. Somebody asked me to come and speak at, at, at a school or church or whatever. I, I, I like to know, even if I'm in a church setting, who I'm speaking to. Because I, I don't know if y'all know this or not, if y'all picked up on this. I sound a little differently in here on a Wednesday night than I do on a Sunday morning. Have y'all noticed that? Okay. Not unintentional. All right. I sound even more different if I'm speaking to a group of senior adults. I sound different when I'm talking at the, I was at the middle, at Daphne Middle School this morning. Appreciate all of y'all coming to that, by the way. Um, just kidding, none of y'all were there. Um, so Daphne Middle School, um, first priority, I sound different than I am if I'm at the high school, okay? And I, I sound differently if I'm, uh, you know, in, in a group of 500 versus in a group of five. Part of, part of understanding how to engage people is understanding people. It's why, and I say this probably every time I, we go on choir tour, I'm going to sound differently in a, uh, an assisted living facility than I am in a men's shelter. And I'm going to sound different in a men's shelter than I do in a women's shelter. And I'm going to sound different in all of the pla those places than I do when I get back here on that Sunday morning. The message is the same. It's, it's still Jesus Christ and him crucified. But I'm doing my best to speak in the language that these people speak in. 
talking to the addict in the shelter who's lost all of his earthly possessions because of a drug addiction than I'm speaking to the 80-year-old woman in the assisted living facility who has no one to come visit her. And I'm speaking differently to that lady than I am to uh, the 450 to 500 people who sit in a church pew every Sunday but are comfortable with, with where they are in life. Paul understood the culture around him. Now, thirdly, can I find and articulate common ground with the people around me? Can, can I find common ground with the people around me? And see, that's, that's what I have to try to do. That's what I'm trying to do with y'all, like, the best I can. The reading rainbow thing was a stretch. I didn't think y'all would really go for that. But, like, I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to come up with stuff that relates to y'all. Because let's face it, the, the, the more amount of time that goes on, I'm getting older, the people in this room are getting younger. Right? That's just what happens. The seventh graders. Who's a seventh grader in here? Seventh grade. What, what year were you born, Ace? 2006, cool. Yeah, it's real. 2006, I was working on a master's degree in 2006. I was old in 2006, right? I was getting married two years later, right? Yeah, thanks, all. All right? But the things that I grew up watching and the things I grew up enjoying, the, the music that I listened to, the things that were happening in my lifetime, Ace wasn't born yet, right? Benjamin wasn't born yet. So we have, to, we have to be able to find common ground, though, all right? So I have, to, I have to learn about things like high school musical, right? High school musical wasn't around when, when I was growing up. It wasn't a thing, right? But you, you have to learn it, right? I have, I have zero interest in any music that most of you listen to. I have to figure out what it is, though, right? My daughter's riding around singing Taylor Swift in the back seat, right? And I, I don't, you know, she's got a big reputation, big reputation, Ooh, you, all right, and I don't, I don't know anything about Taylor Swift's reputation. All I know is uh, that your boy, uh, what's the English man's name? Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran, he can't rap for anything. I learned that on that song. He sings and plays the guitar really well and looks like a leprechaun, but he can't rap. He can't rap. I know that from the song, but I'm trying, I'm trying to learn these things for you, right? It is sweet. You're right. Thank you. But we have to be able to find common ground. That's my point. Paul finds common ground. He begins to quote something, and then he pulls in their poets' quotes. He pulls in a quote from, from their own poets. He says, hey, your guys even said this. Let me, let me tie it back into the scriptures for you. We got to finish. Last thing. All of this is for the purpose of reaching the people around me. All of this is for the purpose of reaching the people around me so they would come to know the saving mercy of Jesus Christ. We engage scripture so we can learn who Christ is so we can be more Christ-like. And we use scripture and we use the intelligence and the, the critical thinking that God has blessed us with in order to engage and reach the people around us. Let's pray together. Father, God, we thank you so much, God, for your word. God, we thank you, God, for the ability to, to freely open up your word. God, we all have a copy of your word in our own language. What a blessing. A blessing that, that most of these people didn't have. God, we have people and tools to teach us about these things. God, we have so many resources to learn and to grow in you. God, I pray that we would use those things 
to learn and to grow in our knowledge and understanding of who you are and what you've done for us. And God, that we would, God, be burdened for the people around us. God, we would want to share the hope that we have, God, to other people so that they could have the same hope. Now we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Y'all stand and sing together.